I guess it's uh, quite a funny video, isn't it? But I wonder if you have ever thought about what might happen to you when you die. Oh, there's a happy thought for Easter. (laughs) What's going to happen to me when I die? But seriously, I I want you to use your imagination with me for a moment. I want you to imagine that you woke up this morning and, okay, so you ate all your Easter eggs and then you've, you've come here to church and let's imagine that you've just enjoyed a beautiful morning tea after the service. Now, imagine you're leaving the church grounds, you're on your way home, and you're crossing over Anderson Street out the front here, and, and you look up the road, and there you see the 558 bus from East Linfield, bearing down Anderson Street, out of control, straight towards you. Now, if, unfortunately, it's at that moment that you, you've realised that, well, perhaps you ate a few too many Easter eggs this morning, and, and well, let's face it, you've eaten a little bit too much morning tea as well. Uh, In fact, this indulgence uh, now means that you're you're not moving particularly fast. And so you you try to shuffle your way out of the path of the bus, but it's too late. Next thing you know, you're standing in a line, holding a folder. A folder containing a record of all the stuff you've done in your life. The good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. And you realise that this line is actually a line of people waiting to be judged. Uh, Some people at the front of the line, you notice, are ushered off to heaven. And they've got big smiles on their faces as they leave. But others, you notice, are sent off in a different direction. And uh, they're not smiling at all. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Which way do you imagine you will be directed when you reach the front of that judgment line? To heaven? Or somewhere else? Well, you know, when I ask people this kind of question, uh, the answer I get is often the same. It's, well, you know, I hope that I'll be allowed into heaven when I die. I I hope that I've, I've done enough good, at least enough good to outweigh the bad in my life. I hope that I'll be allowed into heaven when I die, but I'm just not really sure. Well, I wonder if that sums up how you feel. You hope you'll be allowed into heaven when you die, you hope that you've been good enough, but you're just not sure. Well, friend, if that is how you feel, then you've got to hear what God has to say to you today from the Bible. Because today we're going to learn how the events of that very first Easter can blow away our doubts and make us absolutely sure of where we're headed after we die. Uh, Now, today we're going to look together at just two sentences from the Bible, two very important sentences that come from a book in the Bible called Romans. And uh, to make your life a little bit easier this morning, I've actually printed out these uh, two sentences uh, at the top inside of the service outline that you received on the way in. And uh, they should also come up on the screen behind me. Now, the first of these two sentences uh, begins by telling us the reason Jesus died that first Easter weekend 2,000 years ago. Uh, Look with me. It It starts by saying that he, that is Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins. So why did Jesus die? Well, according to the Bible, he died for our sins. 
In other words, Jesus died on the cross because of the simple fact that we are all sinners. He died for our sins. But what exactly are our sins? Well, our sins are all the bad things that we do that offend God. Uh, All the ways in which we break God's good laws. You see, it's our disobedience, it's it's our rebellion, it's it's every lie we've ever told. Uh, It's every lustful or envious thought we've ever had. Um, Every selfish or greedy motivation. Uh, Every mean thing we've ever said or done. Uh, Every time we've failed to thank God or, or acknowledge him. Every time we've failed to love another person. You see, our sins are all the ways in which we break God's good laws. And just as here in Australia we demand that lawbreakers be judged and punished accordingly, well, so too, God has set a day when he will judge and punish all those who break his laws. And, you know, the Bible's very clear on this, that the appropriate punishment for all who have broken God's laws is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death, eternal death. I'm talking about hell, a prospect that that ought to terrify all of us. And so you see, friend, it's not not good enough to, to get to that judgment line simply hoping that you've been, well, good enough. The simple fact is not one of us is good enough. That's right, it does not matter who we are. If any one of us were to stand on that goodometer contraption, the result would be the same. Not good enough. Because you see, in the eyes of God, we're all sinners. and We're all deserving punishment. That's the bad news. But here in this sentence, we get to see the good news. The good news that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins. God the Son, delivered over by God the Father, handed over to die in the greatest rescue mission that this world has ever seen. Here, let me see if I can illustrate. Okay, well, imagine, imagine for a moment that, that, that my hand here represents me. Okay, my hand represents me. And now let's say that the ceiling represents God, okay? Now, there's nothing between us, is there? When God sees me, he's happy with me. But okay then, let, let's say for a moment that this, this piece of paper here contains a record of, of all the sins I've ever committed in my life, okay? Okay, I know what you're thinking. All right then, well, let's say that this book here represents a record of all the sins that I've committed in my life. All right then. (laughs) Let's say that this book contains a record of all the sins that I've ever committed in my life. Are you happy? (laughs) Now, of course, when God sees me, he, he sees all the ways that I've broken his laws. He's seen all my rebellion. He sees me as the sinner that I am. And now, he's rightly angry with me. In his eyes, I'm deserving of punishment. And yet, you know, sadly, this 
This is a picture of all people, you, me, all of us. Sure, the size of our book might differ between us, but according to the Bible, we're all sinners under God's judgment. And left like this, we're all destined for hell. But you see, it's into this very scenario that Jesus steps in to rescue us. This sentence tells us that on that very first Good Friday, Jesus was delivered over to death. Why? For our sins. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, came into this world. Nothing between him and God. The only one ever who has perfectly kept all God's good laws died for our sins. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself the burden of my sin and, 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 and the burden of your sin and the burden of all the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus took our punishment, died our death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, eternal death, hell. And so do you see, in the greatest rescue mission the world has ever seen, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins. But that's not where God's rescue mission finished. Of course, that first Good Friday was followed by the very first Easter Sunday, wasn't it? When miracle of miracles, God raised Jesus from death to life again. And why is that so significant for us here today? Well, look with me at the next part of this sentence and we will see why. Look with me. It says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Jesus was raised to life. God raised Jesus to life. Why? For our justification. But what does that mean? Well, the word justified is actually a legal term. It's a legal term that simply means to be declared not guilty. And so at the end of a trial, the judge can declare someone as either guilty or not guilty. If the person is declared guilty, then of course they need to be punished accordingly. But if the person is declared not guilty, then they're free to go on their way. There is no punishment due. They're acquitted, they're they're exonerated, they're justified. Well, according to this sentence, Jesus was raised from the dead in order to bring about our justification. That is, in order to ensure a not guilty verdict for sinners like us. See, I like to think of it a bit like this. Our sin, our sin is like this, this, this great debt. Our sin is a great debt that needs to be paid. Our sin is a debt that requires payment in the form of punishment. Uh, Jesus' death on the cross, well, that's him stepping in and paying our great debt, taking our punishment for us. And Jesus raised from the dead, Well, that's like the eternal receipt, the living proof that payment has been made. You see, the risen Jesus now ensures our justification. He ensures that we are forever declared not guilty, 
I don't know if you noticed, but it's the very same idea we heard expressed in our first Bible reading this morning, from another part of the book of Romans, in fact. Do you remember? Do you remember where the, the question was asked, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It's God who justifies, who is he that condemns? In other words, who could ever successfully argue the case that God's people ought to be condemned to hell? The assumed answer is no one, of course. Why? Because God justifies us. He declares us not guilty. And why does he do that? Well, look at the reason given. This is the really significant part. We're told that it's because Christ Jesus who died... More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You see, not only did Jesus die for us to pay the penalty for our sins, but he was also raised to life and is now at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, forever interceding for us, forever defending us. That's a beautiful picture. It's like God now looks down from heaven and he sees me each time I sin. But then it's like each time Jesus stands up to defend me. He says, hang on a second, no, 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 no. I paid for that sin. Whoop, hey, you know what? I paid for that sin too. Hey, oh, yeah, and I paid for that one as well. Each time defending me holding up his nail-scarred hands as proof of payment. And each time, God the Father joyfully declaring the same thing, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. That's a beautiful picture. And so do you see? Do you see why the events of that first Easter are so significant? Because on that first Easter weekend, God not only gave us a saviour who died for us, but he gave us a saviour who now lives for us too. And so because of Easter, we can now have the assurance of peace with God. We, we can now be confident that God is no longer angry with us, but that he's on our side and that nothing is ever going to change that. No past sin, no present sin, no future sin. That is the Easter assurance. The assurance that we see clearly in the second sentence that I want us to look at today. Look with me. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's the Easter assurance right there. We have peace with God through Jesus. But there is something very important in this sentence that I need to point out to you. Notice here that it says that we've been justified through faith. Do you see that? We've been justified through faith. In other words, we learn here that faith is essential to us being justified and having peace with God. And so, of course, we'd better make sure we understand what that means. 
So what is faith? Well, another word for faith is, is trust. That's all faith is, trust. To have faith in something is to have trust in it. And so you're all showing faith right now. You're showing faith in, in the seat that you're sitting in. You are trusting that that seat will hold you up and not collapse underneath you. But the faith that's spoken of here in this sentence is not trust in a seat, but rather trust in Jesus. It's a matter of trusting that he alone can give you peace with God. That he alone can get you to heaven. And so do you have faith in Jesus? Are you trusting him? Well, let me ask you again the question that I asked at the beginning of this talk. Do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Now, if your answer is something like, well, I, I hope I've been good enough to get to heaven when I die, then who do you think you're putting your trust in? You're putting your trust in yourself, aren't you? And in your own goodness. But that's not trusting Jesus. As we've seen today, none of us is good enough. We're all sinners. Now, putting your trust in yourself like that, that's a sure way of ending up eternally disappointed, to put it mildly. But if I ask you if you think you'll go to heaven when you die, and your answer is yes, because Jesus died and rose again to rescue me, then who are you trusting then? You're trusting Jesus, of course. And it's only as we trust him as our Lord and Saviour that we receive this guarantee that we have peace with God and the assurance that he will gladly welcome us into his heavenly home when we die. And boy, what a difference that assurance makes in our lives. I thought I'd finish this morning with the story of one particular fella for whom this assurance made all the difference in the world. It was three years ago now when, when this man, actually a distant family friend of mine, in fact, somebody I hadn't even spoken to for, it must have been over 20 years, uh, gave me a call out of the blue and he asked me if I would come and visit him. Now, I admit I found it a little bit odd, uh, but I went anyway. Now, I had always known this particular fellow as a pretty tough bloke, okay, a war veteran, Tattoos on his arms from, from a time when tattoos actually meant toughness. <laughs> I won't go into any details, but let's just say that this bloke had a pretty chequered history, okay? Someone whose choices had messed up his own life and, and his family's life too. He was now well into his 80s, a widower, and his health was going down quickly. Uh, anyway, I got to his home and he invited me in and we sat down and he began to talk and he told me, how he realised that his life was coming to an end. And knowing that I was a minister, he asked if I would take his funeral uh, when he died 
And, and of course, I said yes. Uh, but it, it was then uh, that quite suddenly uh, this man's tears began to flow. And uh, the real reason that he asked me to visit came out. And he asked me if I thought God could ever forgive someone like him. Someone with his history. If I thought God would ever let someone like him into heaven. Well, together we looked at some verses from the Bible and I was able to show him how actually not one of us is good enough to get to heaven. But how Jesus died in our place on the cross and now offers forgiveness of sins to all who trust and follow him. And, you know, with all genuineness, this man said that that was what he wanted. And so together we prayed. And there and then he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Oh, it was such an amazing experience. It was almost like I could hear the heavenly gavel coming down. Boom! God's glorious cry, not guilty! Going out as this, as this old man's Tears of despair were replaced by tears of joy. For the first time in his life, this man was at peace with his creator. His fear of judgment now replaced by the knowledge of God's unfailing love for him. At the door, as, as I was leaving that day, he thanked me. And you know what he told me? He said that was the best day of his life. And I knew it was true. It was three years ago now. He died last year. And I can only imagine the sheer joy he felt as he came to the front of that judgment line, his great record of sins in hand. Only to have Jesus step in and take it from him and cast it aside, announcing this one's with me. Friend, you too can go through this life knowing that you'll be welcomed into heaven when you die. But you need to stop relying on yourself as though it is a matter of how good or bad you have been. And instead, you need to start trusting in Jesus, relying on him as your Lord and Saviour. And you really need to start doing that today. Unlike that man, not all of us know that our life will soon come to an end. I'm afraid to say that some of us will face death a lot sooner than we expect. Might be the 558 bus from East Linfield coming down the Anderson Street after this service. Or it might be any number of other possibilities. Friend, if you have not already, I urge you to make peace with God today. Don't put it off. Call on Jesus as your Lord and Saviour today. And, you know, make this Easter, make, make Easter Sunday 2015 the best day of your life.
Do you want to do that? Well, if so, then, friend, I now invite you to join with me as together we speak to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Well, dear God, we are so sorry for breaking your good laws. We're so sorry for our sins, for the ways we've offended you. God, thank you that Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt, to face our punishment. And thank you that he rose again to ensure our justification. Dear God, no more do we put our trust in ourselves, in our own goodness. For, Father, we know that we could never meet your perfect standards. Instead, we put our trust in Jesus alone as our Lord and Saviour. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that because of Jesus and the first Easter, we who trust in him can be so confident that we have peace with you now. And for the fact that we now have the wonderful assurance that you will gladly welcome us into your heavenly home when we die. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.